The pandemic-related upswing in digital banking is also adding some momentum to open banking. Nick Farrow from the Bank Partnerships team at Modern Treasury is this week's guest on the Banking Strategies podcast. He'll discuss where open banking stands in the U.S. and where it may be going. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the managing editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. Open banking is coming in the U.S., albeit somewhat more slowly than other parts of the world, but it is coming. Nick Farrow from the Bank Partnerships team at Modern Treasury joins us to catch us up on the status of open banking here at home and to share some ideas about what he thinks may lie ahead. Nick, thanks so much for being here. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Nick, can you start by giving us a brief overview of Modern Treasury, what the company does, particularly in relation to open banking, what the client base is, where the clients are, all that sort of thing? So uh, Modern Treasury is a software platform that helps companies who need to move money as part of their product or service. So a good example of that might be an e-commerce marketplace. We work with real estate companies, benefits companies, really essentially any company that is moving money as part of its product. So we're very engaged with banks and our banking partners on open banking, primarily around how do we connect to those bank accounts? How do our customers use our software to instruct payments and reconcile payments against those bank accounts? And ultimately, How do we make that whole process more efficient and more effective for our customers? Here in the U.S., we hear the term open banking a fair bit, but it's typically in the context of something in the works, something that may be coming down the road in the future. Where do things currently stand with open banking in the U.S. in terms of acceptance as a concept and also in implementation? Well, I would definitely say that open banking is here and present and many users and companies in the market are are actively engaged in the concept of working with open banking. So what do we mean by open banking? You know, really open banking is the ability for third parties or services like, say, for example, Modern Treasury to access financial data through the bank itself. The sharing of financial data that helps a company operate a service alongside or next to or potentially even in competition with a bank. So I would say in the U.S. in particular, The concept of open banking is perhaps a little behind some other regions, but most certainly has accelerated in the last few years, really as some of the infrastructure that's required to make open banking a reality has been built and has become accepted. A number of the fintech companies leverage open banking infrastructure to operate their service. Companies who are looking for access to bank information to offer a service that, you know, might provide a benefit to an individual or a consumer I would say it's very much still early stages in terms of where you know open banking can go. The state that we're in today, I think, has been very much a product and innovation-led you know, growth story. Really, what we're now starting to see is very much a demand pull from the fintechs and from consumers generally or from small businesses who are looking to leverage those, those fintech products, and that's all been made possible by open banking. So open banking is already well accepted in Europe and in Africa, and we're seeing more momentum building in Asia as well. Are there business or structural factors that might explain why the U.S. financial services industry is behind in adoption? And if so, how entrenched are those factors? 
Yeah, I definitely believe that there are. I think a couple of things I would point out, you know, differences between the U.S. banking system or the banking industry and perhaps, say, even parts of Europe or Asia. I think the U.S. system is certainly very much segmented. We have still in the many thousands of banks in the United States, whereas in other parts of the world, we tend to see a higher concentration of larger banks and consumers having perhaps you know less choice in, in terms of the pure number of banks that are available to them. And so open banking, particularly in Europe and particularly in, in parts of Asia Pacific, really uh, took hold as the governments and regulators in those regions decided to make open banking a priority. I think if you take a look back, really the idea from the you know, regulators was how do we increase competition? How do we improve service levels and competition and product services to consumers and to businesses. And one of the ways they decided to achieve that was to, in many respects, try to level the playing field and perhaps reduce some of the concentration of power of the larger banks in those countries. We do not see that as much in the U.S. You know, to date, regulators in the U.S. have around the edges looked at ways in which competition and consumer benefit could be improved. But as yet, we've yet to see a legal or legislative mandate. I've seen digital banking referred to as a a gateway, if you will, to open banking. Do you look at it that way? And and if you do, with the digital acceleration that we've seen during the pandemic, what is that doing in terms of widening that gateway here in the U.S.? I think there's been a, a couple of really big shifts that have taken place over time, not least of which has been the shift toward cloud technologies and cloud computing. I think as banks have slowly become more accepting of and embracing of cloud technologies and the the capabilities that that provides, I think we're starting to see most certainly an opening up or a, a more cooperative stance from banks around how connections are made and how secure connections, the kind of connections that are required to make open banking a reality. I think there's no question that the impacts of the pandemic has shifted how banks approach their customers and the customers' needs. I can say from personal experience, having worked in a bank as recently as last year, that the push toward a digitization across all parts of the bank was immense. You know, in order for business to be done, literally things like digital signatures and some things that perhaps were very common outside of the banking world became a a very quick reality. So, you know, the pandemic most certainly accelerated shifts that we're seeing. And I think also just frankly, a shift, you know, the market, the fintech space has grown and matured pretty rapidly. You know, I think even as recently as say four or five years ago, there was still some skepticism from banks that fintechs could deliver scalable and secure products to customers. And I think those fintechs have mostly by and large done a really great job of proving that they are here to stay. And as a result, we've definitely seen a shift, you know, from banks who are accepting of, you know, fintechs as being part of the ecosystem. Banks recognize that they can't necessarily always deliver every product or service or uh, capability and a willingness to to partner and work directly with fintechs, in some cases invest in them and in some cases buy them outright. So I think that's probably been some of the biggest shifts that we've seen around digital banking and, and frankly, open banking. At its most fundamental, open banking is about sharing access to the customer via opening up access to the customer's data. From a competitive standpoint, this seems like a potentially self-defeating notion. So what are the upsides for U.S. banks to embrace open banking, given the strong historic focus on controlling the relationship with the customer? It's a great question. And I think it's a question that we're going to see play out or the answers will play out over certainly the next few years. I think there's a couple of different ways that banks are approaching this conundrum. One is we've seen 
certainly growth from a number of enterprising and entrepreneurial banks, you know, smaller regional banks who recognize the growth opportunities in the fintech space and have actually become uh, very open and friendly toward fintechs. Having said that, you know, the large banks are certainly not standing still. It seems like there's not a day goes by that we don't see news of partnerships or outright acquisitions. We see many of the large banks getting involved in this space. So I, I think for most banks, honestly, there's an opportunity. The customer's expectation and expectation of consumers and small businesses are rapidly shifting. And I think between building out their own technologies, building out the partnerships they require, or frankly, outright acquiring fintechs, I think we're going to see banks respond. Hopefully, as you know, we'll see them respond quickly, or at least from the bank's perspective. But I think end of the day, it all comes back to the customer experience and the customer and demand that's coming through the fintech market is clearly showing that the customers want efficient, cheap, pleasant experiences that perhaps, you know, in recent years, banks have not always delivered. But I think that message is certainly being heard loud and clear. I'm assuming that access to the customer data doesn't have to stop with fintechs or other financial institutions. All of those cash-rich tech companies itching to get into financial services, they've made their bundle by being geniuses with customer data. So surely open banking stands to be a boon for them, right? Yeah, and I think we've certainly seen you know, some experiments or, or some very successful launches, notably Apple with their, their card product, which I believe is in partnership with Goldman Sachs. There's been announcements from companies like Google and, and looking to dip their toe into or launch consumer banking products in conjunction with banks like Citi and some other local and, and regional banks. There is most certainly an interest from the large tech companies to find ways to leverage their huge reach, their huge customer base into financial products that I think they would say would solve real problems or provide services very close to their customers. You know, I think one thing we've seen from most of the large tech companies, though, is a realization or a, an acceptance that banking is still a challenging space, that compliance and regulation is not simple, it's not cheap. And so I think at the moment, what we're most likely to see is, you know, the large tech companies continue to make use of third-party platforms, banking as a service platforms, or existing banks and, and their technology platforms, but to try to do so in a way that delivers a service that their specific customers are in need of, and hopefully solves the problem specifically for those customers. Should we be thinking about open banking as having a singular form, a singular structure, or are there different strains, if you will, that banks and credit unions could select different flavors along, say, a continuum where they could be selective in providing access as opposed to an all or nothing arrangement? I think that's right. I do expect that we'll see a variety of different approaches, whether that's you know, the very large banks who obviously serve many millions of customers across consumer, small business, large corporate banking. And I think we're most certainly seeing, I guess, from the big banks, an acceptance that they can't always be all things to all customers and that there are cases or there are situations where, you know, a software solution or a partnership with a tech company is actually going to be very beneficial both for the bank and for the customer. I would expect that we continue to see a variety of different approaches focused on big banks. Mostly that's where I spend most of my time. But certainly smaller banks and regional local banks will have a different set of challenges and I think will require a different approach. How do they stay and maintain close to their customers? How do they maintain that community spirit or that community connection, which has always been a great advantage for local and regional banks? 
you know, I suspect that technology will be a bridge and will ultimately be a place where those banks find solutions that help their customers and, and deliver a service that their customers really want. And speaking of technology, technology that makes our lives easier has a way of winning over hearts and minds. And sometimes that happens quickly, the smartphone being a good example, and sometimes it takes longer. Regarding open banking, in the U.S., it may be slow now, maybe slowly ramping up. But is resistance ultimately futile? Do you think that it's certain to strongly take hold in the U.S. and that perhaps the key variables are only when and in what form? I think it's inevitable in some form. I think really, if you take a step back, you know what's driving the demand for fintech services and, and fintech product is very much those companies are seeing pain points in the market and addressing them. Or second to that, they're also seeing an opportunity to deliver financial services and financial products right at that point that the company or the, the consumer is really needing them. So think of, you know, embedded finance products, you know, offering whether it's buy now, pay later loans or early wage access, but using the technology, they're able to deliver, you know, a service right at that point that the individual, the consumer or the customer really needs and wants. So I think there's no doubt that as banks kind of morph and change and shift their strategies, we'll start to see more of those banks trying to deliver services in a similar way. You know, I would say, you know, we've seen banks, you know, historically, you know, it takes time. They have a different set of constraints, regulatory compliance, a whole bunch of different things that banks need to maintain or need to take into account. I think the other thing is that at the end of the day, people need to know they can trust their bank. A great advantage that banks typically have is that for the most part, their customers really trust that their money is safe and that when they build and launch new products, that it's well thought out and it's been tested and it's from a bank that they've known or a, you know, a well-regulated and well-run bank. So I think there's definitely some advantages. But yes, I think over time, we're going to see a continued move toward open banking as a key cornerstone of just about every bank you know, product arsenal or, or capability. We talked a bit earlier, Nick, about how open banking has taken root in parts of the developing world. Are there lessons to take away from that regarding how open banking might make the financial system more accessible here in the U.S. for the unbanked or the underbanked? Yeah, I think there are. I think the number one thing, in my mind at least, is the shift to technology and the capabilities that cloud computing has brought us and all of these other technologies that all kind of go into ultimately shifting the way in which we approach how we provide banking services, you know, at what point those services are, are provided. To me, it all comes back to, are you able to deliver a more efficient, a cost-efficient product to the customer right at the point where they, you know, they need? Are they receiving value from a product and not having to pay extra for a whole bunch of things that they don't typically want to use? So there's a, an opportunity for banks or for fintechs to be able to much more accurately pinpoint the specific, the very specific needs that an underbanked or a person who's outside of the traditional banking system might need. They may not necessarily need all the bells and whistles of a, a checking account at a very large bank. Maybe they just need very basic services. So I think you know the opportunity to learn here is, can fintechs and banks deliver services at a much lower price point, at a much lower cost level? That would, to me, be the most obvious lesson that we could learn. And I think technology allows your products to be unbundled and delivered very cheaply and effectively. So I think there is some great opportunities there. Of course, another attribute of technology is that it never stands still. So in those places where open banking has already been embraced, 
How is it now evolving and where do you see it going from here? It's a great question. I, I think whilst it may seem like we've seen relatively slow amount of progress from the banking community, I think going forward that can accelerate very quickly. The most obvious element here is, is to what extent with a change of administration at the federal level and regulators generally kind of looking at a lot of different things around banking products and services and capabilities. We're seeing new payment rails starting to come online. A good example being the real-time payment rail from the clearinghouse, also a potential competitor coming from the Fed itself over the next couple of years. I think there's definitely a lot of different things on the horizon. The elephant in the room is probably how does the blockchain and how does some of the newer technologies and the concept of decentralized financial services and how to regulate us respond to that challenge and, and that uh, opportunity is certainly worth watching. And I think, again, it's sort of a continued drive to launch new products on the back of infrastructure that perhaps was being developed or in, had been developed and launched many years ago, but has now just become, frankly, much simpler and easier to use. So I expect we see a continued push toward embedded finance and financial products right at the point of sale or right at the point of customer need. And certainly it's going to be interesting to see how banks respond to that. I think there's definitely opportunities and obviously a few risks as well. Right. We'll all be watching to see how well they strike that delicate balance between sharing access and trying to make sure they keep the relationship. So Nick Farrow for Modern Treasury, thanks again. We appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us on the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. A few takeaways from Modern Treasury's Nick Farrow on the present and the future of open banking in the U.S. First, he sees a couple of key shifts in recent years that may provide a tailwind for open banking. One is the greater use of cloud technologies, which provide open connections and the computing power needed to handle the scale of data involved and to do it in real time. The pandemic has also contributed by speeding up adoption of digital banking, as has the growth of the fintech market. Banks and credit unions place a premium on controlling the relationships with their customers in order to maximize lifetime value. Open banking, by its very definition, seems to run counter to that goal of control. But Nick says an increasing number of financial services providers of all sizes are moving deeper into open banking. They may be listening to their customers who say they want versatile, efficient, and pleasing services. And finally, even as the embrace of open banking picks up pace, what it entails is steadily changing. Some of that is a result of a new administration in Washington, and thus new regulators with their own ideas about how banking products and services should be governed. New capabilities are also in the works. This includes just-in-time product offerings, and further out, there's the potential power of the blockchain. Thanks for listening to this installment of the BAI Banking Strategies Podcast. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor of BAI, Please join us again next week for another conversation on a topic of importance to the financial services industry.